Hi there, Casey Smith here. This is Shoulder Charge, a rugby league podcast. On the show this week, I'll be in conversation with Paul Scanlon-Wells of Rochdale Mayfield to discuss the return of rugby league. There's also action from the Challenge Cup, which I'll be getting into a little bit later on. But first, Grassroots Rugby League has finally returned after over a year out. It's been a testing time for Rochdale Mayfield, whose income was cut off overnight when the pandemic kicked off. Sadly for the club, they've lost around 50 kids during the absence. But Secretary Paul Scanlon-Wells remains upbeat about the club's future. Yeah, as I, as I was saying, it was, um, you know, I was down last, uh, last week, last Monday, and there's 50 or 60 kids, you know, Taking part in in, um, in in rugby league, you know, they've not been seen for maybe twelve months. So it, it was great as a community club to get um, you know to get them all down there. Um, unfortunately, we've lost about fifty kids uh, to the game. Obviously, they've uh, they find things at playstations and and various different activities. But hopefully, we'll grab them back. But yeah, it was great to see um, you know so many kids down. Uh, you know, on, on a green patch of grass, just playing together, it, it was fantastic for a community club uh, point of view. Yeah, and that that's quite a lot of people lost to the game. Um, how do you think? How are you going to get them back? Um, I, I think a lot of it's going to be word of mouth. You know, kids going back into school now and sort of saying, "Hey, I, I'm up at Mayfield and such and such a night. Um, I'm up playing rugby again." Um, and we're going to be playing rugby games in four weeks' time. Um, I think that, but also, um, you know, Hornets Foundation, um, unfortunately, um, we're the only rugby league, amateur rugby league club in the, in the town of Rochdale now, which is very sad. They've all gone by the wayside. So Hornets Foundation are very much um, proactive for ourselves to sort of help us bolster the team in around about the, the Castleton area of Rochdale. But also to, to widen the net and to bring kids in from Milnrow, um, from Norden, from Bamford, other parts of Rochdale. Um, you know, so they start to do quite a bit of work in the schools. We'll hopefully bring some people in, as well as the World Cup. Uh, the World Cup towards the end of the season, I'll bring a few in with uh, school assemblies and things like that. But that's for next year. But this year, Hornets Foundation, I think, are going to help us quite a lot uh, to bring kids in over the next few months. And what is what is the reason why you've seen a drop? Is it just because it's been such a long time off? And I think other sports have have they returned earlier than rugby league or something like that? Yeah, I think football returned um, after the first lockdown. I think yeah. um, obviously the less contact in the game. You know, it was just tackling. There was no body to body contact type of thing. So sports like that and cricket and golf came back because. There was very little, you know, possibility of spread of COVID because you were either playing it by yourself or, I say, cricket. You've got maybe, you know, eleven people in a cricket field. I think it is, and that they spread over a whole massive pitch. Yeah. You're probably not speaking to each other for, you know, and over yeah. at a time. So I just think it's just the fact that other sports have come back. Um, plus, the thing like I think there was still a worry of coming back because of COVID and stuff like that and parents coming back around the club you yeah. meeting people from other areas from Oldham from Roxdale from some come from central Manchester to play for us so you were sort of widening your net and Greater Manchester unfortunately had a massive COVID rate COVID infection rate in every single borough um, I think a bit of you know kids, kids and parents were scared to bring them in yeah. 
So now I think they'll see what we've actually done COVID-wise. I think a lot more people will come back because they'll feel it a lot safer in rugby league. And in terms of implementing all them uh, COVID-safe measures, what how what kind of cost has that been to the club? Um, it, it's, it's been in the hundreds of pounds, you know. I think, you know, it, it's... We're quite lucky. We have, we have a girl there called Emma Patterson, who's who's a nurse, and she's been quite proactive in sourcing um, materials. But also, we've had money from Sport England, money from the Rugby Football League, and money from the Rochdale Council as well, which has taken the financial burden off us. So we've been able to go out there and buy buckets to sanitise the balls, been able to buy new match new balls. So. You know, we're not using the old dirty ones, we've got brand new ones we can wash down, pass on, and they're various different sprays. And I must admit, I think that um, we've also one of the, the strongest risk assessments that we've ever done at the club to make sure that we implement safety procedures to keep everybody who comes on site safe. So it's not just a case of the money, it's um, the money's a small thing to making sure everybody yeah. else is safe that comes onto our facility. And in terms of COVID, uh, financially, what has been the impact? Oh, it, it, it's been massive. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Rochdale Mayfield uh, Rugby League. We have three large pitches and we have a, a small training pitch. But we also have a clubhouse, so we are quite pretty much self-sustaining. We don't rely on the council. We don't rely on a landlord or anything. We have our own function room, which um, you can get about 300 people in that function room. And we have weddings, christenings, um, charity dues, all that booked in over the last 12 months. Which um, you know you're making an average you know a couple of thousand pound over a weekend etc. Which all goes back into the club, but that's just been taken away from us. So our income just went overnight. As soon as you close down, you can't sell beer, you can't hire the room, you can't hire the pitches. Um, it was a devastating effect on us. However, I must say, Sport England, um, the Rugby Football League, and especially Rochdale Council um, have been really helpful. Um, you know, in, in us finding grants and also stopping things like us having to pay council tax for 12 months. It saves a lot of money, so yeah. your overheads are really cut down. But I think these three organisations really, really helped us and were really, really open to helping us. And I think that's really what has kept us going. Otherwise, we might not have been here because yeah. it, uh, we have lost a, a heck of a lot of income over that 12-month period. Uh, and also, you're obviously entering like a new era with the new new committee and new crest. Uh, basically, what does the next few years look for look like for the club? Uh, I think the next few years are going to be really, really good. Uh, the NCL have just come out, and you know we we know we'll be playing in, in a few weeks. The Open Age, we know the juniors will be playing in a few weeks. Um, as well as that, we've got various different developments we wanted to do in the club. Um, we're looking towards starting a, a, a boxing group, a wrestling group, and that's in conjunction with the, the local police force. Uh, but ideally, we have a brand new pitch at Mayfield, which is um, a Sport England funded pitch, which is the size of Wembley. It's a beautiful pitch, but it's miles away from the clubhouse, still on the same site. So you know, ideally, we want to move the clubhouse from where it is onto this brand new pitch. Yeah which um, is one of the best pitches you'll find in Rochdale, probably, apart from Scotland. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's little things we want to keep 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 on doing to, to update the centre. The centre's 30 years old, so it's showing wear and tear. Um, we want to try and bring football back into into Rochdale as well, using our facility um, and all these other different clubs, as I say, like boxing, wrestling, things like that. So we want to make it more of a community facility. So basically the whole of Rochdale can use us. 
um, for meetings such as Heart and Stroke Foundation meetings right through to, to, to football, wrestling, rugby league. In terms of like the structure of the club, uh, is it purely a voluntary thing? So are all the coaches and whatnot, do they do that for free? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's um, uh, it, volunteers are, are all free. Yeah. The, the, the team managers are all free. Uh, the only thing we pay for are things like the ground staff and uh, you know, bar, bar coverage, that sort of thing. Everything to do with the rugby, with the sport, um, is all volunteer-led. Um, it's 99.9% volunteer-led. Right. Um, you know, we, we try and make sure, well, well, we do make sure they're all... CRB checks, they're all qualified for coaching badges um, and all that sort of thing. So, but yeah, they're, they're around 99.9% of the club is volunteer based. And without these volunteers, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. It would cost far too much to run the place without volunteers. And as I understand it, I think it's like a phased return. So it's like, is it touch rugby at the moment? Is that what the, the RFL guidelines are? Yeah, yeah, it's phased over the next uh, four or five weeks. Like we started last week, uh, we were just doing little ball skills, um, little fitness drills, things like that. I'm actually coaching the under nines tonight. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of protective fall and, and tackling technique, which is just one on one for 10 minutes. Uh, then the following week, we can start taking the tackling on one step further. And as the weeks progress towards the end of May, the beginning of June, you can have full contact and you can be playing like trial games between each other. But at the moment, it's just a return to play, basically getting fitness back, skills back and getting you ready for the contact that's going to come that's obviously involved in rugby league. But you're trying to mitigate any possibility of COVID as we go along and keeping on the various checks to make sure people are still healthy after each, before and after each session. Uh, and with the World Cup at the end of the uh, season... Obviously, there's been grants handed out to like s- several community clubs. Have you been a beneficiary of any of those from the Rugby League World Cup? Um, not directly. We have one got in before the end of April, uh, which I'm actually working on at the moment, which um, it, it developed things like the, the, the top pitch, as I said, um, improving irrigation at the club. Although Rochdale's a very wet place, uh, the pitches are very dry because they're well-drained. So we're looking at... Um, put together a programme for that, which will be in with um, the World Cup funding bid before the end of April. Uh, I think the end of April is when it shuts down for the, the larger grants. Um, so that's really what we, we, we're going for. And in the past, obviously, the club has produced players such as, you know, Matt, Matty Lees, Matt, Matty Ashton, uh, Jack Ashworth. Uh, what is the standard of players coming through now? And is there anyone we should have our eye on? Um, I, I, you've got those at a name, but they're, they're just at the so-called big clubs. Yeah. Um, you've got people like Matty Grimes, who's at um, Hunslet. Um, there's about 10, 10, 11 lads at Rochdale Hornets, like Callum Marriott, um, Deck, Deck Sheridan, um, just to name a couple, Callum Ogden. And you've got Paul Brealey over at Halifax. You know, So we've got, I'd say we've probably got about 20 players out in the professional game at the moment. So... I think that shows that we are we are a you know a, a club that does bring on talent. We have the coaches there to bring on that talent. Um, but there is you don't like naming names, and I, yeah. I wouldn't do. But you've got some good kids in the under thirteens and under fourteens yeah, who may have a, may be able to, to to go into the professional ranks and have a bit of a career there. Um, we we just give them the, the skills and the belief that they can do it, and the, the rest is up to them. Really, the hard work comes from them, but. 
we have clubs um, that are looking at some of our young kids and offering scholarship places. Um, as I say, if the kid puts the hard work in, it's going to go a long way along with the coaching that we provide. And um, it's shown that Rochdale, you know, for a non-rugby league area, to be honest, yeah. can't produce talented kids, as you say, at the top of the game, at the top of the Super League, you know, with Matty Ash and Matty Lee, Jack Ash, Ashworth. You know, it's, it is a club that has got some good young talent in Rochdale. And uh, finally, if anybody wants to get involved with playing for the club or, you know, just volunteering, helping out, how would they go about doing that? Uh, basically, just jump on the website, Rochdale Mayfield. Uh, we have various Facebook pages. We have uh, our own website page. Just drop us an email or give a phone number a ring. There's loads of numbers on the Facebook pages. Um, or just turn up at the club, you know, uh, Monday... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're, we're down half past from about six o'clock till eight, nine o'clock at night. Just turn up, have a word with us, have a look around, speak to the coaches, find out what your age group is and just turn up. You know, uh, if you don't have boots, you don't have kit, it don't matter. We have spare boots. We can get you some kit. Um, just come down, give it a go. There's no commitment whatsoever. You know, right from Cubs, which is your under fours and fives, right up to your open age and even your masters, you're over 35s. Come down and just give it a go. You know, yeah. you can find us on various social medias and at, at the club down in Keswick Street in Castleton. We accept everybody and anybody. Yeah, Paul Scanlon Wells there. And hopefully, in the next few weeks, the sport can return to a bit of normality with restrictions easing and clubs like Rochdale can get back to producing the stars of tomorrow. Now then, let's get on to the Challenge Cup. We'll start with the chaotic game between Hull KR and Castleford Tigers because at half-time, the scoreline was 22-6 to Hull KR. But a crazy second half produced a golden point win for Castleford, 33 points to 32. It's yet another terrible loss for Hull KR. And they were doing quite well in that first half. But, you know, for the second time this season, it's gone to Golden Point. For them two losses now, that must be a really, in terms of psychologically, it must be a real big blow. And morale as well. God knows what they felt like after that one. But, you know, Castleford fought back. And it's been a good start to the season for Castleford so far. But that first half performance was way below par. You know, they was outclassed by the team who finished bottom last year. But going back to the game, in Golden Point, you know, everybody missed. Danny Richardson missed. Jordan Abdul missed. Gareth O'Brien missed. You know, God almighty. Eight missed attempts, I think it was. But finally Castleford got it, which will be a huge relief to them. But what, what a mad game. Now... Let's talk about Saints and Leeds because going into the game, Leeds were defending the title from last year. Leeds were without so many players. I don't think they had any half-backs. They were playing loads of players out of position. They even had a player for a sending off, which may have been a red, I'm not sure. However, I think last week we saw a red, a, a yellow card for a challenge that looked exactly the same to me. I can't remember who the player was or what it was, what the club it was. 
but definitely last week we saw the same high hit in the face of a rugby player and he got a yellow card and this week we've got the red card I don't know if there's been a rule change in the week but to me that doesn't seem inconsistent however you know it was it was at least a card of some colour whether the first one was whether the yellow card was the wrong decision I don't know but at least let's have some consistency you know in the space of a week come on but forgetting that let's talk about Leeds because you know all those players out a man down and they pushed St Helens all the way and I think obviously Saints were rusty because you know Leeds were without most of their best players and let's be honest uh, last year Saints they had a slow start as well but I think the difference between last year is they they were losing games and now they're winning so is that an improvement but the problem with Leeds was them final sets okay they didn't have a recognised kicker of the ball however those kicks were still not good enough even for you know not the main goal kicker and yeah they really were killed with them finishing the sets Saints dealt with it very easily and you know that's when the tide turned really but it bodes well for Leeds this season, you know, if they can perform like that with so many players out of position, you know, what what would the result have been if they had all their players? Next up for uh, Leeds is Wigan on Thursday. Then, they get, then they've got Hull KR. Let's have a look after that. They've got Huddersfield, Wakefield, Hull FC. So, yeah, quite a few teams in and around them. In terms of St Helens, they've got Wakefield. Then Huddersfield, then Lee. You'd expect them to win all them, to be honest. I'd like to see somebody actually challenge St Helens. Somebody else win the grand final. You know, I think there's only been four teams in the history of Super League. Obviously, there was the top flight existed before 1996. But, you know, in terms of the Super League era, which I think was supposed to make it more equal, you know, there's only been four teams. So... Is somebody else going to win it? I think Castleford have got a big chance. They won't do if they perform like that, though, um, for the rest of the season. I'm liking Catalan Dragons, and we'll get onto them a bit later on. But, yeah, who's going to challenge St Helens? Because, well, we know last year Wigan had a big chance, you know, that that miscatch, that won it for the Saints, which were devastating. But, God, that was a big drama. But that were last year anyway, so let's move on to Catalan v Wakefield because I think we saw something a bit different from Catalans this time actually. It shows they're not just they can they don't just have one way of winning. You know, they can win any way they want. Because they were very disciplined. I don't think they made many errors in the in the first half and many errors in the game at all. They were completing sets, they weren't giving penalties away. You know, it was a real arm wrestle, really. I think Wakefield had a good effort too, but, you know, in that second half, there was a period where there was just constant pressure on the Wakefield defence, and they finally buckled, basically. But for Wakefield's first try, I was quite impressed because, you know, it was Tom Johnston's kick, and he was right out there on the wing, and just next to him was a sea of Catalan shirts. But somehow he found the vision 
he saw his teammate across the way and he kicked it forward and he were through. And I thought that would, you know, that would top class. And for Catalan Dragons this year, before this game, I don't think they've had a complete performance for a full 80 minutes. And uh, Sam Tompkins again, he's, he's just performing to the top of his game. And he's he's got to be, you know, one of the main players for England this year, if this carries on, surely. You know, when he gets that ball, nobody, nobody can get it off him. You know, he's always weaving in and out. He somehow finds spaces that the others just don't. He's just a top player, really. And in terms of the Dragons, you know, this year they've gone for a younger side. They've got rid of some of the more experienced players. And I think it's working for them. Well, it is, because the results show it. And obviously, the younger players coming through, that's good for the game overall. And we need a, a strong France. We need strong nations to sell the game. If you look at how good rugby union is internationally, you know, that is that is something rugby league can replicate because, you know, if if rugby league has such a strong international presence, the game the game watching it is way better than union. So, you know, the potential there is massive. But it's never happened and I think the governing bodies need to have a look at themselves because, you know, the ashes never happened. Obviously, we can't exactly blame them. There was a pandemic. But this year, you know, we've not been able to find a free week for these mid-season internationals. So when England are going to be playing the All-Stars as a warm-up for the World Cup, which will be the only warm-up, so just one game, other, other teams in Super League are playing at the same time. It's just absolute madness. And to be honest, it may not be down to the governing bodies because obviously Super League, it, to my understanding, it's all done by the chairman. So if the chairman decides, oh, you know, I'm looking after my club's interests, then the governing body doesn't have a cat in hell's chance, really. And I think that's why we might be seeing the, the RFL Super League realign. And if that if that does happen, then hopefully we can see a more considered approach, listen to what the chairman say, but ultimately there's an independent person at the top who makes the decisions and hopefully that person can sort out the international scene because there needs to be a regular schedule. Some international games, you know, it very rarely happens. I digress. We were talking about the Challenge Cup, so let's uh, go on to Huddersfield v Lee. Huddersfield, for large parts of the game, you know, they were unrelenting. They were quicker, they were faster, you know, they just outclassed Lee. And you would expect them to because, you know, Lee are the, are the newly promoted team and Huddersfield has signed God knows how many. Uh, the new signings benefited them, I think. They were really strong in the tackles, you know, really busting through Lee, actually. But I don't think Lee, especially in the first half, they didn't give themselves many chances. They gave too many penalties away. They didn't have... I don't think they had any ball possession. Certainly not much anyway. And I think the big thing for Huddersfield was they got points on early. So for Lee, they were already on the back foot from the, from when the game set off. They were weak in the tackle. They did make a late comeback, though. 
So there's promising signs there, but obviously they've le- they left it way too late. And it ended up um, 36 to 18 to Huddersfield. It was, Lee just had six points at half time. So they added 12 points. But, you know, Huddersfield still got more points in the second half anyway. But, you know, if they can keep the errors to a minimum, if they can reduce the metres, which may be a really hard task, but if they can do that, then they've got every chance because they can score points. And remember the first game against Wigan, that first half performance. You know, they can win games. Let's have a look at who they're up against next. Castleford they've got, Salford, that might be one they might be targeting, St Helens, God, then Wigan again, I think that one's where fans can actually come into the ground, so I think, you know, they can win, they've got chances there I think, but they need to pick up points soon because then that gap starts increasing and it's very hard to claw it back once you're on such a losing streak, you're Morale's down. Other ties of note was Swinton lost to Warrington, 32 points to 8. However, I think Swinton had a good goal there, you know, for, I think, the mid-table championship side. To restrict the uh, points deficit to just 24 points, I think, you know, they done well there. And then they got a try themselves. But obviously, you know, Warrington's quality made the difference, which, you know, it would. Salford battered Widnes 68-4. Didn't see that game. But that second half, I think, for Salford, that was a bit of a capitulation. It was 24-4 at half-time, so that, that's 44 points unanswered in the second half. 12 tries they got. That's nearly one for every bloody player, that. And Featherstone lost to Hull. That were 14-34. Oh, and Wigan beat York as well, 26-0. So, as I said last week, I didn't expect there to be any um, surprising results. That's all the um, teams outside the Super League out now. So, in the next round of the Challenge Cup, Castleford will face Salford at home. Catalan Dragons will face Warrington at home. That's if they're not chosen for TV. Hull FC will face Wigan at home. St Helens will face Huddersfield at home. Or they may they may do it at one stadium like they've been doing with Super League. It's not confirmed yet. But I'm I'm glad to see Catalans facing a top side because you know, if they're gonna do something this year, they need to perform against those. Some of you may be laughing saying Warrington top side, but they they are. They just don't win many things. I don't see too many upsets there either, to be honest. You know, you're looking at Castleford to beat Salford. I'm backing Catalans to beat Warrington. Wigan will beat Hull. Saints will beat Huddersfield. They'll be played on May the 7th. That's a Friday. Although it may be spread out, I don't know. I'm not, I don't work for the BBC. As you may be surprised to know. Oh yeah, um, I think... In recent episodes, the sound has been quite quiet. For some reason, my microphone was... Um, the sound on it, it was only halfway, so I've, I've pushed the sound right up. Because, 
you know, I was speaking right into the microphone. I had it all on my thing. All the levels was right, but it was still quiet. I was, I was dumbfounded to be honest. But that's been sorted now, so you don't have to turn it up right to the max now. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Anyway, so it, from when I was testing it, it sounds, you know, right. Anyway, but that's it for this week. Anyway. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. Next week on the show, we'll have the Batley Bulldogs coach, Craig Lingard, in conversation. Plus, there'll be plenty more to discuss with all the big games from Super League and Championship. (laughs) 